We have reached the final division of the heat wave. Man, it's always so bittersweet. Uh, it, it, it really is. And you know what else is going to be bittersweet? Talking about these Patriots today. As you know, I'm a big Jets fan, uh, if you're listening to this. But the Patriots, they've caught my eye. And we're about to tell you all about that. And where we get all the numbers to back up our theories and to back up all the things we're about to say is in the only app on the internet that is available for free that gives you every single fantasy stat you need to succeed. Boom. Period. End of story. And for the most part, they're all in the same pl place. Like, you can find everything, but really the those player cards. On the front, all their metrics. On the back, all the stats you need to know how much they dominated. The player cards are everything you need to dominate your drafts. Drafts are coming up. Join the Patreon. The Patreon League drafts are coming up as well, filling up uh, those spots. Michael is behind the scenes working on filling up our Patreon Patreon leagues. Uh, it's not too late to join. Uh, please join patreon.com slash fantasy to support the show and to play in leagues with us, get access to the Discord, extra episode every week, etc. 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 Let's do this. The Patriots, it's time right now. Let's go. Tonight, yet another staggering heat wave striking fantasy football. Hot so hot and hurt. So hot and hot and Oh! Man, I'm going to get a little philosophical to start the day with you guys. Uh, not really, uh, you know, the, the heat wave is coming to an end, and um, I'm getting more in regular show mode as I welcome in the two best. The two best. That's all I got to say. Best, whatever we put after it. My brother, Mike, lead analyst and editor. What's up, Mike? What's up, Ian? And, of course, uh, our northern brother, uh, the fantasy encyclopedia, the Dynasty Don himself, at Psychward FF, lead writer and director of content of Broto Fantasy. That content coming this this uh, season, boy. Um, let's go, boy. He's, he's gonna direct it like Steven Spielberg. You know what I'm saying, uh, Matt? What's up, Matt? Oh, always good to be here, man. I, it's a little bittersweet as we get to the final division, but this is one of the hottest divisions in the league, so it's why we saved it for last. And it's you know, so hot right now. We've been doing this podcast for like seven years, and you guys know I'm a I'm a Jets fan. I don't I don't hide it. Uh, we try not to be biased, you know. We try, but you know I'm a Jets fan, and you know I would I always say the same thing when everyone asks me, "Hey, how are you gonna look at Tom Brady?" Like you know, I'm gonna tell my grandkids about Tom Brady. I hated that guy, but damn it, did I respect him? Like like West Man Tooth, like West Man Tooth, you know? Yeah. I just I respect and he was the goat, but I never got to fully enjoy it. Um because like America might have been able to, but I will say this. I've grown. Things change. You know, if you get philosophical, you know, I'm I'm 34 now, uh and you know, as time goes, things change and you can't really understand that until you live a life that changes. And for the first time ever, I'm going to be here on the heat wave talking insanely good about the underdog New England Patriots and how they're being slept on this year. What the hell's going on? I feel like I'm in the upside down. Somebody talk are, me yeah, down. I'm not, I don't think either one of us are overly excited about your stance right now, but. <laughs> well, well, you let's know, hear, what? let's hear what the man has to say. Yeah, well, you know I'll, I'll, I'll hear you out. Start with start with the offensive outlook and and, and start to sell me. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's start with the offensive outlook because I think the offensive outlook is insanely, insanely important for this team, especially thinking about uh, last year. Obviously, head coach Bill Belichick, 
bazillionth year as the Patriots head coach. Uh, 24th year, actually. Five decades of NFL experience. Um, I mean, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. You know, I can't. He's in the Hall of Fame. And then you got the assistant head coach, who's Joe Judge. Uh, Joe Judge returned after yesterday, last year when he was the offensive uh, assistant and quarterbacks coach following a two-year stint as the New York as the head coach in the New York Giants. No, that didn't work out uh, so well. Uh, that did not work out so well. And if you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute, he was the quarterbacks coach and he was the special teams coordinator before that. Yeah. All right. I'll talk about it in a second. I'll talk about it. Uh, Judge enters his 10th season with the Patriots, uh, 14th in the NFL, originally joined the organization as a special teams coach in 2012. Oh, you know, he just coached special teams and then he became a head coach and then he coached quarterbacks. Uh, he was promoted to special teams coach following Scott O'Brien's retirement in 2015 and 2019. Uh, and in 2019, he served as special team coordinator and wide receivers coach. And that's how he got the job with the Giants. Um, their new offensive coordinator. Very important to note that new offensive coordinator replacing no one. Yeah, no one. Yeah, no exactly. one was coaching offense last year. Yeah, I'll, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Uh, Bill O'Brien rejoined the New England Patri Patriots in 2023 as offensive coordinator slash quarterbacks coach. He spent five seasons with the Patriots from 2007 to 2011, contributing to five winning seasons, four AFC East Division winning titles, and two AFC Conference championships before that time. He was also the offensive coordinator for one year. That was the magic uh, year for the double tight end, uh, Rob Gronkowski and tight end to be named later. Uh, the Patriots finished top 10 in every offensive category that year. Uh, every year on O'Brien's time with the Patriots. Last year, Tom Brady. Uh, and Tom Brady. Yeah, and Tom Brady. <laughs> that should be noticed. Uh, look, uh, 2020, uh, 2022 Patriots, uh, 16th in points per game, 18th ranked pass percentage, 18th ranked run percent, rush percentage. It's very appropriate that they are middle of the pack because they just are middle of the pack. Um, they, they were the definition of middle of the pack last year. And they got rid of some middle of the pack guys. Damian Harris, goodbye. Jacoby Myers, he signs with the Raiders. Jonah Smith signs on with the Falcons. The offensive additions, wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster, Michael's favorite guy in the world, and also should be noted, the Patriots have been after this guy for a long time, finally on the team. Tight end Mike Kosicki, interesting pickup. Running back Ezekiel Elliott, who just joined the squad. Quarterback Chase McSwirley, and they drafted rookies. Quarterback Malik Cunningham, who is the bell of the ball uh, right now. on um, Rookie wide receiver Kayshawn Boot and rookie wide receiver tomorrow. I'm, so, I'm really glad that you actually Tim got a nice I you skip over Trace McSorley. I'm glad you glad you name dropped him. That was a little fun one in there for me. And the one the way you decided to name him McSorley was even <laughs> Trace McSorley has the greatest hype song of all time. I don't know if you've heard it, but just type it into you. I haven't. No. <laughs> uh, yo, uh, Matt, I don't know how famous this bar is. Let's see if it made it all the way to the West Coast of Canada. Have you ever heard of McSorley's? No. Okay, it's the oldest bar in New York, and you walk in there, and you don't even order drinks. You just say dark or light, and they give you a dark beer or a light beer, which I'm guessing That's they brew themselves. And the only thing available is crackers, cheese, and like lunch meat, that but, but like disgusting lunch meat, like bologna. <laughs> and on the floor, there's it. there's wood shavings everywhere. Doesn't make any That's sense. Amazing. Yeah, but it's like a it's like a place people. New York. Like, New it's York. a must hit. It's, it's packed to the brim. To the brim every single day. All right. So with that being said, I'm glad we heard from these guys because I'm about to go ham. Uh, I got quarterbacks. Yeah, after your seven-minute offensive outlook. This is going to be the longest episode by far. 
Uh, let's I see. can already it see might. it. Tim Classic <laughs> I mean, with the quarterback it, it, tight end. It just <laughs> might. All right. So, look, I think – look, first I'm going to ask Matt a question, okay? Yep. Matt, you said that Trevor Lawrence, right, gets a pass for the type of season he had last season, correct? I mean, I'm sorry, for the season he had his Two rookie seasons. year, correct? Because of that Urban Meyer debacle. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I stand pretty firmly on that leg, that's for sure. All right. So can I ask you guys a question? Why don't we give Mac Jones a pass for last year – and the absolute travesty that was the coaching job of the Patriots. Like, I don't know what happened. After it was his second year as a starter, and he still has Bill Belichick in house, is probably hey, why I don't give yeah, him the we, same. We, <laughs> we still have Bill Belichick in house, who is known as a de- who is I known do, as a I know, defensive I know, coordinator and special teams coordinator. It is right? quite different. Uh, I mean, yeah, sure. So he had a good head coach. Okay, he had no offensive coordinator. There was none. You are used to the well-oiled machine that is Bill Belichick, but after Josh McDaniels left for the head coaching job, Bill Belichick just kind of egoed the fuck out. Like, I don't know. He's been doing this for a few years now. He's been fighting with Tom Brady. Like, Bill Belichick's ego has gotten in the way of wins in the past five seasons, four seasons. And after McDaniels left, maybe he wasn't prepared for it. The Patriots did not have an offensive coordinator, as I said. These were the offensive assistants. Joe Judge. He was the QB's coach and the offensive assistant, known, like I said, for his disastrous stint with the Giants. He never coached offense before in his entire life. From That's eight, why they like fake promoted him out of the position into assistant head coach. Yes, from 2005 to 2023, this guy has been coaching at like the Division Three in the in NCAA and has not even touched offense, not once. But he was—he was just one assistant, so maybe they teamed him up with someone who did great as an offensive coordinator, right? Oh, no, Matt Patricia. The other guy was Matt Patricia, best known for yeah. his disastrous stint as the Lions head coach. Guess what? He has never coached offensive skill positions before. He was the offensive line assistant in 2004 and 2005. Hasn't coached offense in 18 years. That's an entire person being born and graduating high school away from coaching offense. These are the two guys that were in charge that's of that's an Mac- entire QB prospect, bro. Yes, like that's a, that's a that's a Archie Manning. That's Archie Manning, years yeah. away, and it's just like, Max. yo, Mac Jones, guys, Mac Jones was in the worst situation ever last year, and not only that, he said it right. multiple times. He was like, ah, we and this. If you if you look at his interviews this summer, he's like. Yeah, you know everything is is so much more efficient now, and and the and the and everything is so much more uh, fluid. And the coaching, like he's saying, all the ways to say the coaching is so much better without actually saying it. Now, okay, why do I believe in Mac Jones? Because yo, I when when Zach Wilson was was drafted in the same draft, you know the Patriots are in my division. Not only do I study these guys for fun. I study these guys because I want to know what's in my division. And in the rookie season, in his rookie season, Mac Jones was a very good quarterback. He was extremely efficient. In fact, his completion percentage, 67.9, was ninth in the league that year. That's not not nothing to scoff at. In his rookie season, he had a 67.9% completion percentage, 3,800 yards. Actually, he had a little more than 3,800 yards, 3,801 yards, and 22 TDs. Right. So when you look at those numbers, how does that stack up historically? 
Only the only players to have at least 3,800 yards and 22 TDs in their rookie seasons in the last 30 years Andrew Luck, Justin Hermert, Jameis Winston, Mac Jones. The only player to have a combination of two of those three 22 TDs and 67% or better completion percentage. Dak Prescott, Mac Jones. The only players to ever have. At least 67% completion percentage. That's two out of every three passes. 3,800 yards and 22 TDs in their rookie season. Mac Jones. That's it. I think people are forgetting how good he was during his rookie season. Now he gets an actual coach in Bill O'Brien. He gets a veteran in the wide receiver room. He's not throwing to the number a number one receiver who's never had 1,000 yards in his entire career. You get, you get now, and also I'm going to talk about this a little bit. Bill O'Brien was the coach, and that was a long time ago, so I'm not putting too much stock into this, but it should be noted. Bill O'Brien was the coach when they went double tight end and shocked the league, right? He was the coach when that happened. Now they have two tight ends that they paid. He set up way better in the offense this year than he was set up in the offense last year. Not to mention Ramondre Stevenson and Ezekiel Elliott. Ramondre Stevenson, one year better. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, I think definitely an upgrade over Damian Harris. That's another upgrade. I think Mac Jones is going to remind some people that he's not a bust. Now, I just went on a Mac Jones rant. This is to say, you're not drafting Mac Jones, but Mac Jones has been <laughs> yeah, someone... Like I was waiting for it. <laughs> but like Mac Jones has been someone that I've been in... A, in like in the Scott Fishbowl, I waited on quarterback... And I drafted the Juju Mac Jones stack in like the 11th and 12th round. And I was like, people are going to think I'm a genius. Like, well, how, how are these two available right All here? Right. And I, I think that people, I think that it's, I think that people are really sleeping because of last season and Mac Jones lack of development. But if you're going to give Trevor Lawrence a pass for his rookie season, I think you have to give Mac Jones a pass for last season because of the absolute ridiculous debacle the offense was. And with Bill O'Brien coming in, I really do think that the Patriots, they're going to have a top five defense. They always have a top five defense. I think this this offense is going to really shock some people. I, I the, the Patriots over under is seven and a half wins. I'm smashing that over. Smashing it. I, 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 it's a tough division, I think people man, are really sleeping on the Patriots I this get year. And, and, so I think, and I think Mac Jones is going to be able to support some guys that you don't think is going to be fantasy relevant and who's going way too late. So let's talk about those guys that he's supporting. Um Let's talk about the running backs because Ezekiel Elliott just signed a few days ago. Uh, so, Ramondre Stevenson, I know uh, I know at least one of the guys that I respect in the industry, Mike Wright, had Ramondre Stevenson has his running back three uh, before Ezekiel Elliott be, uh, came. I think everyone had Ramondre Stevenson ranked as a running back one. Um, no reason not to. But now Ezekiel Elliott comes. You know, people have suggested here or here what it could mean, but no one really knows. What do you think it means? Yeah, I mean, Stevenson's ADP is kind of yet to really fall off, dropping a little bit for sure. RB10, 25th overall and falling. Elliott's ADP, RB50, 141 overall and, well, actually kind of just staying stagnant. Um, but I like we knew that this situation with Zeke was a possibility with any team obviously him signing and then that particular running back whatever taking a slight hit in ADP but it's like he didn't affect Tony Pollard's ceiling even when he was out snapping him um and Ramondre Stevenson for all you know 
rights and purposes is very similar on a, on a per touch basis as efficiency and explosivity as Tony Pollard and obviously makes his work and, and gets his bread buttered in the passing game, which is something that Zeke has not been efficient in doing since his like second or third year in the season. And shout out to Bick who recently just wrote an article for Brodo Fantasy, cheap plug, um, where he was breaking down the entire process of the signing and, and the reasonings behind it and Ezekiel Elliott and Ramondre Stevenson's stats. So I'm really just going to quote him for most of this because he's done a lot of the research for me. He did an excellent job in this article. In 2020, Zeke had his lowest rushing total of his career, 979 rushing yards, 244 carries, 15 games played. The only other time he failed to reach 1,000 yards up until that juncture was the suspension season, right? Um, and 2020 also yielded brand new career lows of yards per game, yards per carry, and touchdowns. And then 2021, he kind of bounced back a little bit, 17 carries, 90.4 rushing yards, one touchdown per game for the first five weeks, and then completely fell off for the last weeks down the stretch with that partially torn uh, PCL that he played through, getting just 45 rushing yards a game, less than one touchdown a game, less than 13 carries a game. And then 2022 obviously continues that regression, records his lowest numbers of his career across the board in both efficiency and total counting stats, set even lower career totals than that 2020 season mark, 231 carries, just 876 yards, 58.4 yards per game on 3.8 yards per carry, 23 targets, 17 catches, 92 receiving yards. So Zeke has just been continuously falling off and falling off and falling off and it's also the first time last season that he finished outside of rb1 status and total points and the third consecutive season where he ranked outside of the top 15 in points per game but where he makes his money is in the goal line and even last season he was incredibly productive there he had seven of his 12 touchdowns come inside of the one yard line and 10 of his 12 touchdowns occurred six yards or less from the opponent's goal line and he averaged just 0.41 points per opportunity, excluding touchdowns. That was 67th amongst all eligible running backs. So the guy's useless. Like, Elliott's washed, but he's going to get goal line touches, which is coincidentally Ramondre Stevenson's weakest part of his game. Right? Like, he owned 32 of the 50 running back red zone rushing attempts. That's 64% for the Patriots last season. And in doing so... He ranked 15th and averaged just 1.7 yards per attempt, which was second worst amongst all running backs with a red zone attempt percentage over 50. And then Zeke finishes eighth in red zone rushing attempts, 2.8 yards per attempt, which obviously not overly efficient, but quite a large jump from Ramondre Stevenson. And you look at like Ramondre last season and obviously his incredible jump um, from his rookie year where he was really overlooked. He progresses from 14 catches on 18 yards to six on targets 14 catches on 18 targets to 69 catches on 88 targets his target totals ranked third receptions total ranked fourth and not only did he lead the team in carries and 1040 yards yards per carry at 5.0 but he led the team in receptions at 67 and the closest um pass catcher was jacoby myers who tied him <laughs> so Ramondre is you know, Juju is going to step into that big slot role, but Ramondre could still see the second highest total of targets and the second highest total of receptions, even with Zeke in house. It was a football move. Like it was a real life signing of this kid has a bottom 50 ranked efficiency percentage inside of the five yard line. And Zeke, even at his washed age, because of his patience and, and ability to read the hole has a top 20 ranked efficiency percentage inside the five, five yard line. It's just a football signing. It does nothing to cap Ramondre Stevenson's ceiling. Well, I mean, 
I will. Say, I'm gonna call you out a little bit on Except that. Except for goal and touchdowns. I was gonna say because you just said, yeah, he's he's done. Yeah, but that, my steal all his touchdowns. Well, no, because that was. My, did you not just explain? Ramondre I guess Stevenson that was already was a top so that was eight running back in point per game with a 1.3 percent efficiency rating. Anyway, like okay. it's to get the Patriots more touchdowns. It's not like Ramondre was a beast inside of the goal line and still finished as a top ten running back in points per game. So maybe like a like it's a football signing. It, it doesn't. I got you. It, his, so it his wasn't going to happen for Ramondre has always anyway. been capped because it's not who he is. Right. He wasn't so getting those touchdowns happen. at an efficient rate last season. All right. So, I mean, that that needs to be very heavily considered when you're drafting then because Ramondre Stevenson, you know, I, I, I do think that, although I get what you're talking about, Matt, in, in like, a, in like a, a more technical sense, I think that that it does cap his cap – where he's going because although he was bad at it, you know, maybe he improves uh, if he gets the opportunity this season, but now he's not even going to even have the chance to have the opportunity. So where would you take Ramondre? You like, are you still grabbing him in like the second round? Are you waiting till the third round? Are you ready to well, drop now, to the yeah, fourth now round? Yeah, now he's fallen a little bit. 25th overall, RB10, so that gets him at 3-1. And that that's, yeah, like, I mean, that is, you know, maybe a two to three pick drop off since before the Zeke signing anyway. And I'm obviously still comfortable at that price. I have a feeling that's going to drop a little more. I don't mind taking him mid to late third round. Michael has the third pick in our home draft. So, yeah, so Mike, Mike's saying he wants it to drop another six or seven picks before he's a little more comfortable, which is like that's yeah. I, I think that's justifiable and will likely happen before the first ball is kicked off on Sunday, um, so, you know, in week one. But that's what I mean. Like, I'm, I'm not that perturbed by the Zeke signing. And, and I'm going to bring this up in the NFC East episode or the Jets episode as well. But I'll say this is like if you thought Ramondre was the dude, to draft him at 212, then he's still the dude with Zeke there. Like, if he's not good enough to outplay Zeke, who Tony Pollard absolutely buried and took his lunch money, then you should have never drafted him before the Zeke signing that high. Okay. Um, and I think he's the dude. Michael, you you have that third pick. Would you take him 3-3 if you started? The, let's say you start like, uh, you know, Jamar Chase, uh, you know, Devonte Adams or something or like uh I'm gonna say Brown. Are you I mean, taking it depends who's there. in there? It's very That's draft very dependent. Realistic. I'd consider yeah. it. Yeah. You consider it? All right. Okay. All right, let's get into these wide receivers because it says is this fate that Michael got Juju Smith Schuster to break down? Yeah, right. Uh Juju, one of my I was just listening to the sleepers and bus uh uh episode from last year. And may I say, I fucking nailed it last year. Just so you guys know. Um my sleep, my, my sleepers were oh, sleepers and bus coming next week. I, I think after this is over, um, uh, my sleepers were Brees Hall, Amon Ross, St. Brown, and Alan Lazard as a wide receiver three. Let's fucking get it. Um, but with that being said, Lazard, um, you can't victory lap Lazard, bro. Yes, I can. Not good. He was our he was the low level sleeper and Brees Hall who missed half the season. Nah, come on, Brees Hall. I can I can victory lap Brees Hall. That was uh, obvious. I, if he didn't get hurt, he would have smashed. Come on. Yeah, if. All right. All right. Let's continue. Come on. Come on. Injuries. You can't, yeah, you can't blame injuries up. on me. Anyway, uh, wide receiver. Michael. Wide receiver. Juju. Go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, first I want to say, because you didn't, you spoke so long about Mac Jones, you didn't let me say anything about him. I don't mind him in best ball as a late round target is all I want to say. I call him Macaroni Jones because of his noodle arm, but, you know. Noodle, noodle, arm. noodle arm. I'm just, I'm just playing yes, around. His, it's not like he has a great arm, but. Anywho, Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah, my man. Um. 
heading to New England now, presumably takes over the slot role, as Matt mentioned, from Jacoby Myers, who occupied it over the last several years. Um, Juju, underwhelming season last year, as Patrick Mahomes is de facto wide receiver one. He ended the season with 78 receptions, 933 receiving yards, and three touchdowns. He was 35th in points per game. However, I looked a little bit deeper there, and week 10 was the week where Juju got absolutely knocked the fuck out. I don't know if you guys remember how. Oh, I remember. Yeah, Um, and he got concussed, and he missed week 11. In week 10, he played less than 40% of the snaps because he left early with the injury, and in week 12, he played, he was basically a decoy, played less than 40% of the snaps in that game as well. So those two games, um, he put up two catches and 33 yards and three catches for 38 yards. Which obviously hurts end of season totals. Um, if you consider the games where Juju was basically fully healthy, which were weeks one to nine and weeks 13 to 17, his points per game average jumps from 11.6 to 12.4. That, uh, that jumps from a uh, wide receiver 36 to wide receiver 30, which is a nice little boost for him there and he also uh picked it up closer to towards the end of the season as well he ended with four wide receiver one games and look just because he was not a star like people were hoping he could be as Patrick Mahomes' number one receiver doesn't mean he was overall trash um and now he's going off the board on underdog wide receiver 54 and ffpc wide receiver 49 Look, last year, Jacoby Myers in the slot for the Patriots offense that didn't have an offense coordinator. Jacoby Myers went 67, 803, and 6 in 14 games, 12.9 points per game, 29th in the league. As broader listeners know by now, I'm not a big Jacoby Myers guy, and I do like but my fair share of Juju Smith Schuster. <laughs> yeah. And now the Patriots have an offensive coordinator, um, and they signed Juju. They got rid of Jacoby Myers and signed Juju, and they got basically the same exact contract. Like, Clearly, they prefer. Oh, they got the um, same contract. Yeah, per, basically, uh, clearly they prefer Juju Smith Schuster of the two. I just don't understand why his ADP is where it is right now. I understand the fact amen. that look, amen, bro, amen. Like he's yeah, not gonna he's have a for sure. Yeah, he's not gonna have a wide receiver one season. Like you're not drafting him. Like he doesn't have that type of upside. But what wide receivers are you drafting around wide receiver fifty that have that type of upside? Like. Juju Smith-Schuster could easily be a top 30 wide receiver in Bateman. this offense as a number one wide receiver. Uh, you know how I feel about Rashad Bateman. I know. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so Juju Smith-Schuster, I like him a lot at ADP. And then the other guys there, Devontae Parker is going off the board around wide receiver 80. Tyquan Thornton around wide receiver 95. Kendrick Bourne is going undrafted. Look, Devontae Parker is strictly a best ball pick, in my opinion. He always has these up and down games. He's always injured. Do with that what you will. Like he's not someone I'm really considering in redraft. And you have Taekwon Thornton, who has a mixed bag. He's he's fast, but apparently his camp isn't going very well. He's basically just a fast deep threat. We saw it a couple times last year. Uh Pat Corain, who won the underdog million dollar best ball contest, ended up winning in part because Taekwon Thornton like returned the kick or some shit that last week and put up like 20 points. So like Taekwon Thornton has the ability to do things like that but he's certainly not going to be redraft viable. I cannot agree with you more about Juju, man. I think that he's being totally slept on. I think one thing that we could talk about too is that, look, I know it was a long-ass time ago, so I, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not going to put too much stock into it, but there is something to be said about the last time that Bill um, O'Brien was the head coach of – I mean, uh, the offensive coordinator – of the of the um Patriots, he his top three leading receivers 
was the slot receiver, Wes Welker, with 173 targets, the tight end, Rob Gronkowski, with over 100 targets, and the tight end, Aaron Hernandez, with over 80 targets. The tight end to be named later has been named. Yeah, he's been named. Uh, you know, you got to get later in the broadcast. The real ones are still here. Uh, so, you know, with that being said, that's going to lead me right into my offensive outlook uh, for the tight ends. Mike Kosicki is one of those guys that I like adding to my team if I completely punt the position of tight end. Um, you know, obviously it could not pan out, but he's one of those guys that, hey, this guy could be very involved in the offense. Uh, he's one of my favorite late round picks, like I said. I mentioned already that Gronk Hernandez super season that Bill O'Brien was the architect for. Uh, there's also like the Bill, Bill O'Brien did not have good tight ends in his in his tenure with the Texans. So obviously, like when he was the GM, he didn't prioritize tight ends. So it's not like he's a tight end whisperer or anything. But it should be mentioned that tight ends were always somewhat involved in the offense. And there was one season in 2016 that C.J. Fedorowicz and Ryan Griffin each had over 50 catches. <laughs> you know, like, so he's got, he gets tight ends involved uh, in, in in the offense. Like, that's just what he does. And he's done it before. Like, again, this is, you have to take this all with a grain of salt. This is a very late pick, last pick in the draft type situation, hoping for a home run. Um he was brought in as well, signed from a division rival. Uh, Bill Belichick, very familiar with Mike Kosicki, what he is uh, capable of. So definitely something to be noted. Hunter Henry is already there. That's why I'm not all in on Mike Kosicki, to be honest, because, you know, Hunter Henry also has pass catching prowess. And, I mean, everything I'm saying about Kosicki right now could also be said about Hunter Henry. Uh, so, like... It could just be that the other one hits. But the reason I'm banking on Gasicki is because before last season where he was completely useless and was just not on the Mike McDaniel radar, you need a tight end who could block in that system. Just, you know, everyone's like, oh, he's going to be the next George Kittle. He can't block. He can't block with George Kittle. That's horrible, Michael. Um, I mean, but the two years before that, 2020 and 2021, if you look at this dude's Brodo card, the whole thing is red. And if you, you don't know what red means, it means it means that top 10. Top is, 10, it, top it, 10. Yeah, top 10. Dude, top all 10. right, let's see it. Um, in, two, in 2020, fourth in receiving yards this is all amongst tight end. Fourth in receiving yards, 703. Sixth receiving touchdowns was ninth. Ninth in true target value at the position. Third in A dot at the position. Eighth in target percentage. Third in big plays. PPR points per game. Ninth overall. Seventh tight end seven overall. Um in the in everything in 2021 he became an even bigger part of the offense 112 targets was third in the league 73 catches was fifth in the league 780 receiving yards was eighth in the league he only had two touchdowns but his a dot 9.27 uh was seventh in the league he finished as tight end eight in overall points target percentage of 18.2 was sixth in the league 12 big plays was eighth in the league this is a guy who was on an ascending path. He's a guy that when you watch him play, you could see the athleticism that he has. He just does not have any skill when it comes to blocking. And you need to have skill when it comes to blocking. Mike McDaniel came in, whole new offensive system. The guy didn't fit. Now he gets his free agent fit with the Patriots, who are very familiar with his skill set. Bill Belichick is not going to bring in a guy and be like, I'm going to make you into a blocker. That's not what Bill Belichick does. Bill Belichick brings in a guy and uses his strength. 
right? You're going to see Ezekiel Elliott. You're going to see him at the goal line because that's his strength. You know, that's what you're going to see. You're not going to see Ramon G. Stevenson at the goal line because that's not his strength. You're going to see him catching passes, right? That's what, that's what has made Bill Belichick a head coach for 24 years, right? So I just think Mike Isiki has some sleeper potential. Uh, again, a little bit of like, I'm not saying that, you know. Apparently having a pretty shitty camp, but we'll see. Those are just. No, I mean, I, I, it started, it started, like started it started. Chart, he's what? I think he's like third on the depth chart. No, no, like no, a... start, no, no, no. I get, I, I'm telling you right now, I've, I've read Twitter reports. Shout out to 32 beat writers who f- phenomenal follow uh, that Kasiki is he's working. He's playing well. He's working. I, he's working. I, like I've only heard I've heard positive. I heard negative to start positive. Now, that's what I that's what I've been hearing. So I don't know how. Yeah, I got I guess I got to put on my Google alerts for Mike Kosicki, uh if I missed a, a bad report uh, as of late. Um, but uh, now he also has a dislocated shoulder and they're hopeful he'll be back for week one. All right. So that's not good. That's I mean, good. he's a he's like a last round pick anyways. Right. So it's a it's a long shot. It's a long shot regardless, even before an injury. And I mean, everything I just said, like I said, besides the uh, and Hunter Henry has also had phenomenal top 10 seasons uh, is a very good pass catcher. If he is the guy that is the Gronk of the of the offense then he's the guy who's going to be that possible sleeper for you. Speaking of possible sleepers, I want to know who's going to be a possible sleeper in like four years. Matt, Dynasty Stash, who you got, Bo? I mean, it's kind of like a three-headed dragon of Dynasty Stashes here for a team that has historically been very successful at developing late-round picks. Uh, Demario Douglas, the wide receiver, Kayshawn Butte, the wide receiver, and Malik Cunningham, the quarterback, are the three people that I'm looking at as late-round dynasty stashes. Douglas runs a 4-4 flat 40-yard dash with a 96-percentile burst score. He has only two seasons as a starting receiver under his belt after redshirting his freshman season and serving primarily as a punt returner, in which he did receive All-American honors for special teams. But he posted decent numbers at Liberty his last two seasons, 701 yards, 52 receptions for an average of 13 and a half yards per reception, six touchdowns followed up by a season with 993 yards, 79 receptions for an average of 12.6 and another six touchdowns in his two seasons as a starter with the mid major. Now, obviously small school major, same one that uh, Malik Willis is from, and he's receiving an insane amount of camp hype, but he's a sixth round rookie wide receiver on a team that is desperate for wide receiver help. Yes. And again, historically famous for developing these undersized late round receivers, but it's not an incredibly high hit rate. In fact, it's close to zero. So it's obviously a stash. Same with Kayshawn Butte, who by the way, has one of the single greatest true freshman analytical breakouts in collegiate football history. He caught 14 receptions for 303 yards and three touchdowns while being blanketed by Patrick Sertain, the second and Trayvon Diggs. Injury and character concerns led to major regression, followed a stunning finish to his freshman year, and then obviously got overtook by Malik Neighbors, for those that know the college football scene. And I think the talent that led to Butte's incredible production is still buried somewhere deep within. And if anyone can bring out the genie out of the bottle or out of the lamp, it's Bill Belichick and the Patriot way. Lastly, obviously Malik Cunningham, who has been a sensational um, preseason performer and he's an uber athletic dual threat quarterback incredibly raw processor and passer that struggled to meet his potential at louisville he took over after lamar jackson and essentially played the exact same offense he regressed to just 1562 passing yards in his final season though but he has averaged more than 500 rushing yards per season across his tenure at louis 
Pittville, uh, includes a 1,031-yard rushing season in 2021, where he also set career highs with 2,941 passing yards. And if Mac Jones goes down or continues to be Mac Jones, <laughs> I think Cunningham beats out Bailey Zappi for that starting backup gig. There you go. I mean, all right, there you go. Starting back. Definitely the longest episode, Tim. Oh, yeah. We knew it with Tim having quarterbacks and tight ends. I mean, to be honest, it's only 36 minutes. And I, and I feel like we like I gave a little more. We had a little more conversation than we usually do in the heat wave in the beginning. I feel like that was the culprit. Yeah. The minute and a half conversation. <laughs> Yo, listen, you guys need to know if, if I think my the best bet. If I had more money, I'd put more money. I think the Patriots over seven and a half wins is a smash lock. Lock it up. It's a tough division, man. That's that all I got to keep that. saying. It's a tough division that they've owned. You're talking about they got to get like at least one win against almost all of their divisional well, Bill, opponents. Bill Belichick's the 500, 500 coach without Tom Brady yeah. in his career. No, it's true. I'm not. I'm not saying like seven and a half is is fairly low. I'm just. I just. I'm, it's just a tough division. Michael, that's a. Uh... It's a little misleading. He took over a very bra- bad Browns team. Only had one year of transition. I think with the Patriots, but with Anywho, the Patriots, whatever. no, he went to the Super Bowl. With Drew Bledsoe. What are you talking about whatever. Played the Packers. Anyway, um, we're gonna go to where? What's next? Buffalo Bills. Ooh, it's cold. All right, see you. <laughs> <Let's do it. laughs>